So, before I get into this this morning, I just, you guys ever notice, like, the Lord has a sense of humor, okay? The Lord has a sense of humor. Um, last night, me and Jesse went to this uh, thing, take, this event taking place in downtown Holland. It's called uh, Burn. And it, basically what it is, is a 24-7 um, prayer and worship, and they have outreach as well. So we, we went, we were worshiping, we went on outreach, we came back, and you know, I was getting late, it was like 10.30, and I looked at Jess, I was like, man, I probably should go home, I got some, just some stuff I want to iron out in my slides, and um, figure all that stuff out, we get home, and admittedly, I was just kind of in my head, you know, I just was overthinking things, I was, I wasn't, um, you know, necessarily listening for the Lord, I was just kind of in my head, and, and meanwhile, I didn't, I didn't know this, but Jesse's in a room, another room in our apartment, and she's praying, Lord, like, get Peter out of his head, and let him just speak from his heart and in that moment my microsoft powerpoint crashes and this is midnight i lose all my slides and i just i just felt the lord whispered to me he said pete you need to just speak from your heart that's it i'm not calling you to do anything else other than speak from your heart and so he's got a sense of humor you know i was just like all right he's like if you trust me you're gonna go to bed right now and i'm like okay fine so i went to bed and here we are. I just, I just laugh because Jesus has a funny way of calling us into um, things. So anyway, before I start, let me just pray for us this morning. Jesus, would you, would you just fill this place? Holy Spirit, would you open up the heavens and would you come, God? Would you just um, let our hearts, God, be so ready to receive from you this morning? God, would you just make it so that I'm not even speaking, but Holy Spirit, you're speaking through me. God, we are desperate for you, and we want to know you. So Jesus, we just lift you up in your name. Amen. Uh, so as many of you know, we uh, have invited the Victory Point family uh, to, to kind of journey through the book of Mark leading up to Easter, right? So each week, um, as, as, a, as a church family, we're just reading uh, two chapters of Mark. And then uh, the final week, Holy Week, leading up to um, Easter, we're going to read the final four chapters of Mark. And our, and our heart behind this is like, I mean, so often Jesus just is thought of as this like religious figure, right? He, he's this, this guy in the sky. And, and, and we kind of like forget the fact that all throughout the Bible, like God is an active God. God is a God who dwells with his people. And they live in his presence. He's never removed. There's never been a time in the history of the world that he's been removed from his creation. And sometimes we have a tendency to forget how near he is. And so our hope and our desire is that as as we journey through the book of Mark, that we'd be able to learn and understand more of who Jesus is. That we would actually follow the king. Because see, in the book of Mark and in the rest of the New Testament, Jesus is so much more than just a religious figure, Right? Like, he is a living king. He has a heart of compassion. He cares so much. And so, um, that's what we're going to be focusing on. We're just going to be following Jesus, looking at his life. Man, how did Jesus live? And um, one thing that God really put on my heart to talk about was like, man, Jesus didn't just die, or just didn't just come to die on a cross for us. Sometimes we just think of Jesus as the effect of what Jesus did was he solely died and resurrected for us. And we forget about everything else that he did and he taught. See, if we were just to, to focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus, we'd be missing out on such an important part of what Jesus did. 
See, on Mark, in Mark 1.15, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The word repent literally means, in the Greek, to change the way you're thinking. He's saying, because my kingdom is near to you, because I'm present, change the way you think about things. See, the, the call of Jesus isn't just uh, a, a seat at the banquet table in heaven. The call of Jesus is a transformed life here and now. See, Jesus was saying, hey, my kingdom is present right here and right now. You should change the way you're thinking about life so that you could be aligned with my kingdom. And so we read about Jesus. We see, man, in the first couple chapters of Mark, what's he doing? He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's teaching with authority. What he's doing is he's showing us what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God is, is, is a, a place of fullness, of life, of love. It's, it's everything we could ever hope for. And so we, what, what we see is these two kingdoms clashing. Mark gives the shortest account of, of the temptation narrative, right? And Mark's, Mark's gospel is just boom, boom, boom. It goes from one event to the next. But in the temptation, think about this. Uh, like the Israelites were in the desert for 40 years. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus was called by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. Same God, same people, right? Israelites, same enemy, different results. Jesus lived by the word of God. He lived by the presence. He lived in, in union, in communion with his Father. Same wilderness, but different results. See, Jesus came to restore what we know as the image of God. He came to show us what our created purpose was. God's heart for mankind. See, the verse that marked my, my, my life four years ago was when I had this revelation when I was reading Romans 8. And I saw verse 29. It said, for those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And what that means is we were created to look like Jesus. From the beginning of time, God had this dream in his heart that his people would look like Jesus. And so Jesus comes onto the scene and he doesn't just die and resurrect and go to heaven, he comes onto the scene and he says, realign your lives and I'm going to show you how. This is what a life in love with God looks like. This is what a life living in the kingdom looks like. Follow my lead. That's what we see in the gospels. That's what we see in the life of Jesus is the standard, is the blueprint for how we're to live our lives in pursuit of the Father. And Jesus says this, he says that it starts, this journey, this, this Christian life doesn't just start in the church seat. It doesn't just start when we're reading our, like, it starts in our hearts changing. See, a heart, the Greek word for heart is kardea. And, and, what, and what that word means is that it's the fountain, like it's the seat of our, our emotions, our desires, and our thoughts. It's the core of who we are. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, this is what authentically following me looks like. That the core of who you are is transformed in my image. So that's where we're picking up today. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to spend most of my time, this week we were reading Mark 3 and Mark 4. I'm going to spend most of my time in Mark 4. Um, because this is, this is what's happened. So Jesus is he's going around, he's, he's teaching, and, and crowds just began to follow Jesus. Like everywhere he went, it was packed out. In Mark 3, we, we read that he and his disciples entered this house, and so many people came that they couldn't even like find room to eat. 
Okay, so everywhere Jesus was going, crowds were coming. People knew who Jesus was. They wanted to be around him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. Well, what happened was, was people see Jesus heal someone. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, I want to see this happen again. So, so he develops this kind of a following where people just wanted to see the miracle. People just wanted to see their, themselves get healed. They didn't necessarily want to hear what God had to say or what Jesus had to say. They, they didn't want any of that. They just wanted the fruit of being there, right? I just want to see Jesus do something crazy today. And, and so Jesus, I can just see in his heart, like, he's like, no, like, what good is it for me if I could heal everyone here and I, and I can bring freedom to everyone here, but then you leave and you, you never change. But you leave and your life is never aligned with my kingdom. What good would it be for me to do that? And so we see in Mark 4 is this is the first time that Jesus spoke in a parable. And what he's doing when he's speaking in a parable is he's saying, look, I could speak super plainly to you and I could do all this thing, but there's only a few people in this crowd. Like we could assume like this crowd is probably like a thousand people deep at least. Like I could speak very plainly, but only a few of you are really going to want to know what I'm saying. Only a few of you are really going to take what I'm saying and apply it to your lives. And so actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak and I'm going to kind of like disguise what I'm saying so that those who really want to know me, those who really want to live by my principles, those who really want to live a life in alignment with my kingdom will dig out the deeper meaning. And so we see Jesus give the parable of the sower in Mark 4. And so, again, Jesus took away my slides this morning. So if you have your phone, follow along with your phone or uh, a Bible. Um, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Mark 4, and this is verse 3 through uh, verse 9. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone with his followers and the 12 disciples, they asked him about the parables. See, look at this. Jesus has a massive crowd. Tons and tons and tons and tons of people listening to him. And after he, it says that he gave this parable, it says the ones who were left to want to know the deeper meaning, it wasn't just the, the disciples, but it was uh, the other people in the crowd who really wanted to know what Jesus was getting at. And so they asked him, they said, Jesus, what is this? Like, we don't understand what you're talking about. And, and we can see, like, this is what Jesus wanted all along. He wanted the ones who were hungry for him to stay and to ask questions and to spend time with them and to be with him. And so then we see in verse 14, um, he gives the explanation. They're like, Jesus, what does this mean? And so he explains it in verse 14 uh, through 20. He says, look, the farmer sows the word of God. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. Others are like the seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last only a short time. 
When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed sown among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, they accept it, and produce a crop that is 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So Jesus explains them what he's talking about. But I think for us, like, it's important to start with, like, okay, what is this soil? Like, so he lists out four soils. There's, there's the, uh, the footpath, there's the rocky soil, there's the soil of thorns, and then there's the fertile soil, okay? So there's four different soils, and it's, it's important for us to start, like, what is, what is this soil? Is he talking about, it's, I think it's easy to be like, oh, he's talking about four different types of people in the fertile soil. Oh, that's just a believer, like, that's just a Christian. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. Jesus is giving us four different conditions of the heart. Of which we can have at any moment throughout our day. Get this. So, so Jesus says, there's the, the footpath. He's saying, this is the heart, right? This is the heart that is, has been trampled on by life. They've grown bitter. They've grown calloused. They've grown hardened, cynical. And so when I speak, I know that their heart's already closed off to me. It's like trying to scatter seed on asphalt. Nothing will bear fruit from that because their heart is hardened. And then he goes and he says, well, then there's the rocky soil. You know, these are the people who are like, oh, that's really good. Yeah, I like that verse or I like that message. And they go, but they never take the time to let it sink deep into the core of who they are. So when troubles come, right? When, when, when the troubles of life come, they fall away. They lose faith. They lose hope. Why? Because they never let the word of God sink deep into who they are. When persecution comes. They get backlash for believing in the name of Jesus. They fall away because they've never let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in the depths of who they are. Then Jesus says, you know, there's, there's the soil of thorns. He said, these are the people who have the worries and the anxieties of this life drown out my voice. They're so preoccupied. How am I going to do this? How am I going to make this happen? How is this going to work out? That when I speak to them, they can't hear me speak. He said, this looks like three different things, he said. It was the worries and anxieties. It was the lure of wealth. He's saying, man, these are the people who are just looking for pleasure and satisfaction in this world, in this life. They're not looking for pleasure and satisfaction in me. So when I speak, it's secondary to them. They don't, they don't care. They're, they're too preoccupied with what's in front of them. And then he said that they're the ones who have a desire for other things. They're restless. They're one thing to another. They can never just sit and be with Jesus. He said, but then there's the fertile soil. Right? In this fertile soil. Man, this is the heart of a person who's like, God, I don't have any bitterness anymore. God, I, I give it to you. I lay it at your feet. Take away everything that's making me hardened and cynical and bitter and angry. God, take it away. Have it all. He said, these are the people who are like, Jesus, just to sit with you. Just to sit with you at your feet and to soak in what you're saying to me. These are the people who let the roots of what God's saying go down deep into their heart. You know, these are the people who cast their anxieties, right? In Philippians 4, 6, we see, or 6 and 7, we see 
Man, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to the Lord. Like, these are the people who are not consumed with this world and this earth and the external realities that they see because they know the spiritual reality, the real reality of it all is that Jesus is on the throne and he's the Lord of my life. And if he's on the throne, I don't have anything to be worried about. He's saying, the fertile soil, the fertile soil is someone who is laid out before God and who's, who's aware of where their heart is at. See, these soils... It's really a matter of heart posture. And each and every day, our heart has the ability to fall from its place with the Lord. Each and every day, I can become bitter. Something can happen. I can become bitter. I can, okay, my, my car's hitting the crapper. I can get anxious. I don't have any money. I just got married. I'm dead, you know? Like, I can become anxious and caught up with the worries of this life. Or, he's saying, the heart that is rooted in Jesus and has fertile soil is the heart that's just resting in him. It's everything's laid out. Everything that I have, everything that I am, it's just laid out before Jesus and my life is his. It's not my own. So my heart, when the word of God comes, what does Jesus say? It says it produces a crop that's 30 to 60 or even 100 times as much that was, uh, as was sown. What Jesus is saying here is like, if you want to tell where your heart's at, this is a big question. If you want to tell where the state of your heart is at, check the fruit. It's a big deal. Check the fruit. You know, if, if, if someone does something you don't like, you're responding in frustration and anger. You know, if someone cuts you off on the road, are you honking your horn and saying stuff under your breath? Like, what's the fruit of your heart? Because Jesus says, like, if you have a fertile heart, a, a good soil, a, a heart that's laid out before me and open to me, receptive to me, the fruit will show. That's a big deal. It challenges me. Yesterday, you know, marriage is hard. <laughs> Yesterday, me and Jesse were, were just kind of, we had frustration. And I, 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 I went into my room and I was praying. I was like, Lord, <laughs> I've prayed so hard for these, these things to fall away for these things to be changed. And he goes, Peter, I can convict your heart, but I will not change it. Like, I will not control it. And, and what, I, what, I, what I felt like he was saying to me in the moment is like, I have the choice to turn from my hard heart. I have the choice to turn from my anxious heart. I have the choice to turn from any other heart that's not fertile, right? In, in, in other words, like, it's my choice to notice where my heart's at. And God's not going to control me. I'm not his robot. He's given me a free will. And he wants me to be a person that will choose him every day. So when I find my heart in these spots, he's, he'll convict me of it. He'll tell me, Pete, that's not right. You shouldn't be like this right now. But it's my choice to actually be like, you know what? You're right, Jesus. Here it is. And lay it at his feet. He's not going to control me. I'm not his robot. He loves me. He wants a relationship with me. If I were to tell Jesse to love me, that wouldn't be a marriage. She has to choose to love me. And it's the same with us and God. God is looking for a people who will say, you know what? I want all that I am to reflect all that you are, Jesus. See, we weren't just made for ourselves. We were made for Jesus and to reflect Jesus. And so when he created this earth, we were made in the image of God that we might have fellowship with him. And he's saying, I want a people that's going to hunger for that. I'm not going to control you. 
but I'll tell you when, when you need to change. See, a fertile heart is tender and it's soft and it's open to the word of God. What, what is the word? You know, when we read the Old Testament, when we read the New Testament, everything in the scriptures points to Jesus. So Jesus in John 1, it says the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh. Jesus is the word of God. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. And so really when, when Jesus is saying the farmer is the, the sower and he's casting the seeds of the word, what he's saying is like, these are either hearts that will receive me in, in the fullness of who I am, or these are hearts that won't receive me in the fullness of who I am. And see, it's so important. Like, let's just be real. Like, in, in the Western world, we, have, we just have a tendency to just stay up here. Man, I, can know, I can know scriptures front to back. But if, if it's never transferring from my, heart, or from my mind to my heart, it's in vain. See, Jesus confronted the Pharisees on this. He said, look, you guys study the word because you think that in them is eternal life. See, these, these, the Pharisees memorized scripture front to back, back to front. They knew scripture. And then he said, so you guys, you guys read these, you think that in them is eternal life, but you don't even realize that all these things that you've learned and you've studied point to me. See, the Pharisees were so in their head about things. They knew the word so well up here and not in here that they couldn't even tell when the fullness of God was standing in front of them. See, their heart was so unreceptive of, of Jesus that they never saw transformation in their life. In fact, like, these were the religious pe- like, leaders of Jesus' time. He came and he confronted the way they did everything because he said, you guys aren't being transformed. You don't get it. The word is supposed to bring you transformation because it points to me, but you're so blind you can't even tell that I'm God. <laughs> He's saying that our hearts need to be open and receptive, otherwise we're missing the point. Because if I go through my life and I think that, man, I've got my spot in heaven because I believe in Jesus, I'm missing the point. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, those who inherit the kingdom of heaven are those who do the Father's will. See, he's after our hearts. He's after transformation. He's after everything that I am in here. He doesn't want me to live a bitter life. He doesn't want me to be you know, a grouch. He wants me to live a life full of joy and abundancy, whether things are going well or things aren't going well because I'm intimate with him. And I tell you what, the place uh, where transformation begins is in the secret place. It's in prayer. It's in, it's in communion with God. It's when I go into my room and I shut my door and I just seek God. I just listen. And sometimes we don't even need a Bible. We just sit with our journal and our pen and we say, God, I know you're here. Would you speak to me? That's where transformation takes place. That's where mature, spiritual maturity and growth take place. It's in giving God our hearts and saying, here I am, Lord. You know, it's funny. I didn't know what the worship songs were going to be this morning at all. I had no idea. And no one knew what I was preaching on. I had two chapters I could choose from. Do you think God's trying to say something to us? Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. God is so after the core of who we are. Did you know that everything that is seen out here is a manifestation of what's in here? If I'm, if I'm mad and I'm angry, there's probably some hurt in here that I need to give it to the Father. 
If I'm anxious and I'm worried, there's probably some trust in here that I need to give. Like, I need to give God all, who I, all of who I am. There's nothing I can hold back if I'm authentically following Jesus. And this is what Jesus says. You know, this, you can see this take place. He's, he said, a heart that's in tune with me bears fruit. Well, what's the fruit he's talking about? Yeah, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah, all those things. But he's actually talking about something more. <laughs> you know, I was praying about this, and, and I was like, God, man, like, I, I see what you're, what you're saying in here. It's more than just the fruits of the Spirit. There's another fruit you're talking about. What is it? And he just kind of gave me this picture. And you know, like, with dandelions, when you can blow on them? I, I saw a picture of like breath being blown on a dandelion. And I, and I heard the, G, the words of Jesus to Nicodemus. And he said, just as the wind blows to and fro, and you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going, so does the Holy Spirit. See, the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is pneuma. It means breath or wind. And God gave me this picture. He said, Peter, what, what I'm planting in your heart, my seed, the seed of Jesus in your heart, as you continually, continually like learn to give me your heart and my word is planted in you, the Holy Spirit blows on who you are. And the seed that I planted in you is scattered. You see, we reproduce who we are. If a kid's growing up in a household that's abusive, there's no love, you have to earn acceptance, you have to earn forgiveness, you have to earn love... They're going to reproduce that in their own household, right? See, we reproduce what we are in the environments that we surround ourselves in. And so Jesus is saying, like, when you are conscious, like, when you're conscious of where your heart's at with me, and you give me your heart, and I'm sowing who I am into the core of who you are, you'll reproduce that. My Holy Spirit will lead you. It's not about striving. It's not, oh, I have to meet this quota and that quota. He's saying, a life that is fully surrendered to me will be led by the Spirit, Romans 8, 14. For those who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. He's saying, when our hearts are open and vulnerable and surrendered and receptive to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come, he'll blow on my heart, and his seed will be scattered in my life. Jesus says, he, he goes on even like, to, to, to prove what he's saying. He says, look, he says, <clears throat> He says, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? No, you put it on a stand for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. What Jesus is saying is, he's saying like, you have a lamp because you want light. You don't like light a lamp and then hide it. That would be pointless. He's saying, now that I've sown my seed in you, Now that I've put my word in you, go let who you are and what I'm doing in your life shine in front of the world. Don't hold it back. Let the character of Jesus be formed in you and go show it. Go tell people about it. Why would you even think about hiding it? It doesn't make sense. It's counterproductive. He says, anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. You know, in, in, in Hebrew, hearing something is directly tied to obedience to something. 
In, in Deuteronomy 6, we hear, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You must love your Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a command. He's saying, now that you've heard it, obey it. And, and so in the same way, Jesus is saying, after the parable of the sower, he's, he's saying, you know, like a fertile, fertile heart like, will produce fruit. He has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, get your heart right with God and go bear fruit. <laughs> That's it. It's super simple. He's saying, hey, now that you're bearing fruit, like, go let your light shine. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Go shine light. It's, it's a commandment. Don't hide it. You know what? When, when painful things come up, when the Lord reveals things in our hearts that need to change, don't walk away from that. Own it. God, yeah, I need a change. God, take this out. You know, because here's the thing. We've been given the lifelong task of being the steward of our own hearts, right? This is a garden in here. Who, if, I don't know if any of you guys are gardeners, but like if I have a garden outside my house, I don't want to wake up every morning and see a bunch of weeds growing, right? Like that would, that's not the, that's not why you have a garden. You have a garden to grow, to Vegetable. I don't know, I don't have a garden, but you, you, you have a garden to grow things, right? And you want to reap what it produces. You don't want it infiltrated with weeds and bunnies and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you want the good stuff. And in the same way, I've been given the lifelong task of protecting what's in here. And if anything comes up that isn't from Jesus, he's saying, turn from it. He said, repent and believe. Turn from that thing and be, be, let my Holy Spirit blow on your heart and become more like me. See, if we got stuff growing in our heart, we got to just own it. We got to rip that out. Give it to the Father. Because the only way that fruit is produced in our lives is if our heart, who we are on the inside, is completely open to God. It's the only way. It's the only way. God doesn't, he's not, he doesn't do you know, like a little bit, like he's all in or nothing. If you want to see fruit, you have to give him the fullness of your heart. You have to let go of things. He's going to bring healing. He's going to bring a fix, but you have to let go. And Jesus carries on. So he says, like, if you are are receiving my word authentically, man, you got to go let your light shine. That's it. That's a command. Like, go and show the world what I'm doing in your life. And then he goes on, he, he talks about this. He says, it's, it's called the parable of the growing seed. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. What Jesus is saying is, man, all as we're called to do is shine our light and share Jesus, share what he's doing in our lives with the people around us. Don't put, your, don't put your lamp under a basket, shine it. And he's saying that we don't have to be in control of the fruit produced. Here, listen to what he said. He said, the farmer will go out and he'll sow seeds and night and day, whether he's awake or asleep, the seed sprouts. See, God just wants us to be faithful with our task. What's our task? Give God our heart fully let the Holy Spirit blow on us, like work in us, right? Produce a fruit. Show the fruit to the world. Tell people about Jesus, and he'll take care of the rest. 
We don't have to produce the fruit. We don't have to see the results. We just have to be obedient. That he who has ears hear, right? Like, obey this. It's not, it's not a burdensome task. It's great. I'm so glad I'm not where I was five years ago. You know what? Because I'd probably be in jail, honestly. If I wouldn't have let the Holy Spirit touch my heart and try to bring fruit. It's a big deal. And you know what? It's a lifelong process. It's not like Jesus is saying you're going to be perfect. There's still stuff in my heart that needs to be refined. But oh my gosh, when you give God full control, when you lay your heart out before him every day, Jesus, would you have the place of the center of my heart? Would you have the throne of my heart? Would you bring transformation? Would you bring change? I know I need to let go. The daily process of doing that with Jesus in the secret place is the best invitation we've ever received. (laughs) So good. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the parable of the mustard seed. He says, "What, what shall we say? The kingdom of God is like, what parable shall we use? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. I wouldn't know that because I'm not a gardener or anything. Yet when, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that like, like birds of the air can perch in its shade. <laughs> Jesus is saying, man, when you let God take over, when you lay your heart before God, when you let the Holy Spirit refine things that need to be refined, and fruit starts to be produced, and you're walking in that fruit, you're letting your light shine, you're sowing seeds, letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do, it may seem really small and insignificant. Mustard seed's the smallest seed, but it bears the biggest fruit. (laughs) He's saying, what you're doing now, man, it might seem insignificant. It might seem pointless at times. But I promise you that at the end of the ages, when you see all of God's people gathered from the east and the west, you see every tribe, every tongue on their knees declaring that Jesus is Lord. Oh my gosh, will it be worth it? Isn't that worth it? Isn't that a worthy cause? See, like, we're not laying down our hearts every day because we always feel like it. If we were to live life by our feelings, everything would be a mess. Our marriages would fall apart. You know, everything would just be a mess. We're not called to live by feelings. We're called to live in, a, in, a, in accordance with Jesus' worth. I'm not laying out my heart and letting God refine things in me because it always feels really good. I'm doing it because Jesus is worthy and I want him to use me. Like at the end of the day, I want to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want him to see his son who loved people really well and gave them his life because that's what Jesus did. That's the example that he laid forth. See, Jesus is looking for authentic transformation in our lives and if we don't give it to him, are we really believe? like if we don't give him our hearts, are we fully believing in Jesus? That's the challenge today. Because this is a question that we're left with after we read something like this. What's the soil in my heart? What's my life like? What's the fruit that I'm known by? 
And this isn't a condemning thing. This is an invitation to say, man, there's grace. There's a father who's just waiting for his children to be like, yeah, come on. It's good. You you missed the mark, but it's okay because I hit it for you. So come on. Come to me. Give me who you are, and I promise you that I'll change you. It's not going to be an overnight thing, but I'll change you. See, that's the invitation today. Because Jesus is looking at our hearts. Because the way that he lived his life was empowered by his heart. He stopped for the leper. He went into the leper community, a a, a people that nobody wanted anything to do with. Why? Because who he was on the inside was different than the world. Where the Pharisees, right, the religious leaders wanted to to close them off so no one else could get sick. Jesus was like, why would I do that? I want to be where they are. See, Jesus' heart was just different. I'm going to invite the band up. Jesus' heart was just different. And he's saying, if you really want to be my followers, if you really want to reproduce what I've done, what I've taught, what I've showed, it starts in your heart. So that's my challenge for us today. My question for us today is, what's the soil of your heart like? If it's not something that, that looks like fertile soil, all we're called to do is just admit it and, and go to the Father and say, Lord, in faith, I'm just believing that, that you'll use me. <laughs> I'm, giving you my, man, I'm giving you my soil of thorns, my anxious heart. I'm giving you my, my, my footpath heart, right? My, my hardened heart because of everything that's happened. I'm giving it to you, Jesus, and I'm trusting that Holy Spirit, you're going to fill me and you're going to blow on me each and every day that I surrender my life to you and you're going to bring fruit for my life. So as we go into this last song, I just want that to be our, our, our thoughts and our, and our question. Lord, what is my heart like? Because I want to be someone who bears fruit.